Welcome back to Coaches Exploring Clarity. Today, we're going to get into part two of the deep drivers, which starts with chapter nine, which is titled Innate Clarity and Peace of Mind. And it starts with a quote from um, Marshall McLuhan, media theorist. We don't know who discovered water, but we know it wasn't the fish. <laughs> that's good. Well, that says it all, isn't it? That's yeah. all, yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks for joining yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the well, next thing, though, that, that comes to mind for me is that we do know now quite a lot about who discovered what, where, when, and how. And the, the most, and that is, of course, physics, quantum physics, you know, um, whatever physics, and anything about quarks and quantums and quanti and nano-dwarf stars or whatever they are. It's all that stuff. And But what always fascinates me is how did these, you know, how did some people already knows it, know this in the very beginning? So Genesis, first paragraph of Genesis from the Bible is, then there was light. And God created that and he saw it was all good. How did they know that? Because this is what this is saying. We don't know who discovered the water, but it, we know it wasn't the fish. It wasn't us that discovered yeah. this life and the air that we live in and the gravity. But somebody knew that long before there was even a a, a, microscope, a microscope to learn about germs or, or even a huge mega whatever it is telescope. I can't remember what it's called to study the the planets and the stars or a, a photo electron accelerator. Like they knew already about this, so that that just blows yeah. my mind. <laughs> they put it in the Bible. They they had an insight, Elaine. Yes. There you go. That's, yeah. There you go. They had an insight. <laughs> there you go. That's it. It's also a much a much simpler existence back then, I would imagine. <laughs> Nothing better to do than look at the stars. Less things on their mind, for sure. Yes. Don't get eaten. That, that yes. Was... <laughs> yeah. Don't get eaten. That was, yeah. 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 <laughs> find, find food. Don't get eaten. Yeah. 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 I, the first paragraph there that's highlighted um, before Jamie goes into his explanation of him travelling to have a conversation, I don't, I don't mm. know, or with a coach, I don't need you to change and I don't need anything from you, whether you believe it or not, you don't need to do a thing. To me, that it, it speaks volumes because how often are we in a situation when we where we're either anxious or feeling a bit confused about something or worked up about taking action and we can't see the way forward. So if you let's, you know, if you ignore something for a few minutes, walk away from it, get distracted, and you come back to it and then you look at it and you're like, oh, what I wrote on the page there was there's nothing to be done. So often there is just nothing to be done because they're, they're just, 
so many things that are, I don't know if self-resolvable is a term, but that's what's coming to mind. It's like we we strive to fix things that are not broken, mm. is what this says to me. We're, like Jamie's making this trip because he feels like something's broken. I need another tip or trick or book or guru or something. I'm trying to fix something that's broken. And he turns up and the guy's like, it's not broken. It's nothing to fix. Mm. And it's like, shit, I just traveled for two hours to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Paraphrasing. Yeah. And that, so that that's just what that says to me. There's nothing, nothing to, that oftentimes there's just nothing to be done. Nothing broken. I think that that ties directly like in on underneath the heading your understanding of how life works on mm. uh, 108 your understanding of how life works and who you really are has more influence than any other factor over your experience of life and the results you get and the part that jumped out at me there that relates to what you were speaking to Lynn is the who you really are part mm. and that for all the talk in this book up to this point about uh, a thought generated perceptual reality, the who you really are piece <laughs> is um, understated, but so significant. Yeah. The, the notion that, you know, who you really are is not broken, cannot be broken. Yeah. Um, and the power that comes with realizing that for yourself. Uh, an example, I don't actually watch much TV, but um, if there's a human interest thing, I, I don't watch that. And right now there's something on British TV about the human body, and I have no idea what it's called. I, never, I only ever see the last 17 minutes for some reason. I don't know. Mm. Spookily enough, I kept it at the last 17 minutes. And they've been taking a group of teenagers and exposing them to naked bodies, mm. all, all you know, naked bodies in every shape or form. And what the kids are seeing, and they're exactly speaking to this. So they're speaking to who you really are, not the aspects of you. So not your physical aspect, not um, not your behaviors, not different elements of you. So they're speaking directly to the phys physical aspects and how the body changes and how every everybody is different. And the kids are having the realization, and it's it's actually quite emotive there. A couple of them last night were like, oh, wow, I've been stressing about this bit or that bit or some bit um, and comparing myself to everybody else. And what they uh, what they have seen is that, well, that's going to change anyway. It's, it's always different and it's always changing. And it, one of the kids last night actually said, it's not me. And I was like, wow, 15, it's not me. So for them to realize that just from hearing from, from people that that's not who you really are, that it's just your body, it's just a, you know, the vessel, if you like. I just thought, wow, that's what a realization at 15. I've been stressing about this. It's not me. Mm. I thought that was, that was very cool. And back to nothing to be fixed because it's not broken. Mm. They're very powerful. The next thing I highlighted was uh, under the heading, you have innate clarity and peace of mind. Clarity and peace of mind are the default position 
for people, the factory settings, which I just love. Um, and to your point, Elaine, about like that's, you know, thousands of years ago when when this all started, they were at their default setting. <laughs> they, hadn't, they hadn't changed their settings yet. And we've gone through thousands of years of evolution or millions of years of evolution, I suppose, where we've been tinkering with our default settings and we're all out of whack now. Um, but, but knowing that you can fall back into that default in a, in an instant, I think is, uh, is amazing. And I think it's, it speaks to this, the nature of subtractive psychology, you know, it's yeah. not to do anything. It's like what's getting in the way of just getting back to your default. Yeah. And just to sort of nitpick on what you said though, you know, you said, Greg, we've been tinkering with our mm -hmm. default setting. It would be perhaps it's more correct to say we've been trying to tinker with our default mm -hmm. settings, but the fact is we cannot do anything with them because that's how they are. Yeah, which I think is extraordinarily uplifting in a sense, which you know points to me for for people who are maybe maybe people who are terminally ill. But when when we you know place that in the fact that who you really are and and. Who you really are is always now in this moment. That is extraordinary. You know, it's extraordinarily hopeful for people who are believing that they are terminally ill mm. or indeed are terminally ill because there is no life after life, but life is only now. Mm. So anything that happens to your physical body between here and there, again, has got nothing to do with you, as Lynn said, you know, and there's nothing to fix, which leaves a huge amount of space in your mind to allow the mind to do what it's supposed to do, which is set everything back to balance, mm -hmm. where balance equals healing in a certain sense. And it's it's definitely again it's you know we don't need to do anything to allow the body to heal. In fact, the less we do, the better it is. Mm. The less we you know we mess about or try to mess about with the default setting, the better we do. Yeah. Jamie's uh, saying of keeping your fingers out of the machinery is uh, coming to mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and 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 also the sense, you know, that that it's okay to do other things. Like, I, I would go, go as far as to say, as you know, if you like, um, you know, uh. A man can wear women's clothes or vice versa, or, you know, you can do facelifts or all sorts of things. And that's fine too. You know, it's, it, if you like, you can do anything you want as long as that we, un we understand that it's got nothing to do with who you really are. And there will be no change in that ever. But also the idea of who you really are is just perfect. It's not as though who you really are can ever be horrible. It 
because it just can't. Yeah. So it's just like, and, and then, you know, make your cho the choice is yours. So there's a, there's a sort of separation kind of necessary in the understanding of that. And it, again, nothing changes and, and carry on with the life that you have. But again, everything will be different coming from a different place. That just took my mind all off in a, in a whole, whole other direction there. <laughs> thinking about all the, yeah, it did actually. Thinking about all the, um, the issues that come from people thinking who they really are is what we see. Um, yeah. And, and the physical aspects of and the lens that we as a species think we have to go to to make changes to that and it's that goes back to the happy wing thing um, from way back whatever paragraph that was mm. um, yeah and imagine if people could come to some well actually at the bottom almost at the bottom of page 110 it says here the mind's a self-correcting system. Its set point is clarity, resilience, and well-being. If people knew that the set point was clarity, resilience, and well-being, would all the struggle and strive for something different in a physical form be there? I, I don't have the answer to that. I have no idea, but I, I wonder about that. of that speaks again Jamie talked here a little bit on page 110 going back to, to kids again and the the natural well-being and um how we are as little people as opposed to how we evolve yeah Yeah, the, the big takeaway okay, next, is oh, sorry. the, the self-correcting okay. nature of it, the, the fact that it's a default setting. I, I love on uh, 113, he says, clarity isn't an achievement. It's a pre-existing condition. Mm. Um, so I, I know for myself, like I've thought about it, you know, I have thought about it as an achievement. Like if I could only get to clarity. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And it's just not the way to go about doing it. And then, and then the, there's another line here that says innate clarity, well-being, and resilience exist within every person, which is kind of uh, in my training as a coach with Jamie is fundamental to how you work with clients, how you see your clients when they come in, that when you know that they have well-being, resilience, and clarity as an innate part of them. And there's nothing to fix. Like it's it's so much such a different place to come to or come from working with people than thinking I need to fix them. Yeah. Yeah. Or from them thinking you you can. Yeah. Yeah. 
or, or that they need it. Yeah. I, yeah. I think when that's an opener for a conversation, it makes a relationship, it turns the relationship on its head. Yeah. It turns it from a, um, from a, we're going to do something to them, mm. to a, we're going to do something together. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to point them to something that's fundamentally them, true. Yeah. 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 And indeed, I think we have a, we have a job on our hands because it was, it's it just, you know, before that, Greg, the, the, where Jamie says clarity isn't an achievement, as you said, it's a pre-existing mm. condition. And then just before that, I'd underlined, you know, the, the last, um, very the last part of the last of the last sentence it's more of a not doing thing and it's also mm. more of a not having thing and it, it it's kind of difficult to get a concept out of that you know let's say from a coaching point of view you know well what have you got to sell well nothing well what are you going to do about that well nothing at all well yeah. what am i going <laughs> to get from this well nothing <laughs> mm. it's, it's a bit weird if you think about it like you know because as, you know, as I've read through and read through again, all the rest of it, it's like every time it's sort of, oh, I definitely want some of that. Yeah. But like, the thing is, you've already got it. Yeah. So there's nothing to want for. So the whole, you know, the starting point is already wrong. Like, oh, I want some of that because that's just what we do. You know, we look outside and say, oh, I want some of that. No, yeah. I don't want it. So, and it's, you know, right from the very beginning, it's, it's the wrong take, you know. It's, yeah. And how can you want for nothing? <laughs> yeah. It's, it reminds me, one of my many favorite Stephen Covey quotes is his definition of leadership, which was uh, leadership is communicating so clearly to people their worth and potential that they come to see it in themselves. And it just occurred to me that, you know, the the notion of the worth and potential, or in this case, the clarity, well-being and resilience it's already there, like as a the leadership or the coaching, <clears throat> excuse me, is just pointing people to the fact yeah. that it's already there. They're already okay. They just don't think they are. Yeah. And if you can help them see the nature of thought and who they really are, that that will all reveal itself to them through insight. Yeah. makes me so excited when I'm able to take a Stephen Covey quote and relate it to the <laughs> to the principles. Well, actually, what it made me think of, what Stephen Covey quote made me think of there, I, I um, listened to a little bit of an interview this morning with the ex-CEO of Chipotle, which is a, a restaurant chain in the US. I don't know if you mm. know, Greg, and I'm, but I, I'm not familiar with the restaurant chain. And the guy's success came from doing exactly that, enabling s some 7,000 employees, maybe 70,000 actually, I think it's even 70,000, I'll go back and take a look, I think it was 70,000, mm. see their potential, that they were a very important cog in the wheel. And where he started was how important, this is going to sound crazy, but they're a Mexican restaurant making a lot of salsa. Mm. And he figured out, they weren't doing so well because their salsa wasn't as good as some other place. So he goes and checks out. 
they were hand chopping salsa versus using a machine. So he convinced his, at the time he was COO, he convinced his management and then his downwards, right down and went to people who had to chop onions to say, it's really important for me and for us that we help you be the best at chopping onions. Mm-hmm. That like you are gonna it's like you're gonna make the business and it made it turned around business making an amazing salsa from people chopping onions because he engaged them and showed showed them and, and invited that's a simplistic thing, but mm-hmm. you know, invited their involvement and everything. It literally turned that business around. So it's, it exactly speaks to that, the beauty of leadership when you're garnering the the potential of all people who work in an entity as opposed to um you know the whatever is the other way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And helping them see what they have to offer and what is there within them. It was quite lovely influential. Shall we jump to the, the thought experiment? The thought experiment. Chapter. So on uh, page 113, thought experiment. What happens when you open to the possibility that clarity, resilience, and peace of mind are your default settings? The thing that comes to my mind immediately is just a big sigh of relief, <laughs> like a, a big exhale. Whew. Yeah. That's just yeah. Absolutely. And the, and the words actually, again, you know, because it's also a way that we learn to formulate just a question, how, you know, how Jamie always uses them throughout the book in, in the best way possible. Just forget about, you know, the clarity and resilience, peace of mind are your default settings, but just the very words, you're open to the possibility. Mm. You know, the, that in itself is is very interesting, it, and it's very like it, think something can be done if you just open yourself to it. And no, there's no result. There's no fix it. There's no nothing in there. Just open yourself to the possibility that, and it's such a good phrase to use. I think in a lot of situations, especially when when there is conflict. Mm. Yeah, open to the possibility and it, it inspires sort of furthering and deepening of something I'm looking again at the Lexus I'm looking at the Lexus here not the sort of the actual question itself if you know what I mean no but I think it's a very yeah. powerful pickup on your part I, I mean just when you say conflict like the things that come to mind is closed mindedness cl- closeness yeah. uh, fighting for what you believe in all this kind of stuff and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know we talked about a new paradigm like the paradigm of being open yeah um you know nothing can get through unless you're open to it yeah. <laughs> so yeah. opening opening up is kind of the and, first step and and of course we have to have the and you know the the consciousness part we have to be aware that we're doing that mm. and you know often it is somebody like a coach who will be you know introducing somebody into the idea that they actually 
can be open to it, but it has to kind of and that it brings it right back to us and sort of yeah. a little bit our responsibility, you know, if if we're on board with this, to to find the best way possible and to be open to anything that will help us move other people forward in this sense. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add that to my uh, repertoire of questions for clients. Yeah. Right. Open to the possibility, dot, dot, dot. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because what, what I just thought there was oftentimes when people turn up, it's because, not because they're open to the possibility of that, I was thinking, what happens if we actually turn those words around? What's the opposite of clarity, resilience, and peace of mind? When people are turning up, they're normally not in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or you'll say, you know, that everything would be obvious to them and they would be doing what would be obvious. So, yeah, to be to be able to ask that question is, again, it's freeing, isn't it? Yeah, it's freedom. It's I don't know when when you just say freedom is kind of like I I think of being locked in a cage or thinking you're locked in a cage, and then it's like, are you open to the possibility that cage door actually isn't locked? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then you go over and try it, and it opens, and you're like, oh my god, what am I doing in here? Yeah, I could have walked out at any time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, thanks so much, guys. That was um, nice. I keep Thank posting how much fun I'm having, but. Uh, yeah, me true. too. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's good for fun. Thanks so much. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.